The first rule of the news roundup is... Never talk about news roundup. The second rule is we do have to explain it again because it's been a while. It has. It has. The, the rule, the central premise of news roundup is that Brian and I, your co-hosts, we try to find news stories of interest, things that will crack the other person up, things that will encourage insight, be of service to our broader weird religion community, stuff like that. Yeah, these are not going to crack you up, unfortunately, the ones I have this time. Oh, no. Not real. You are listening to Weird Religion. Hey, I'm Brian Doak. I'm Leah Payne. This is Weird Religion, a podcast for people who know religion is weird but love it anyway. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah, these just aren't laughers. I, I've just got some downers here. Really? I don't know. Actually, some of these are... <laughs> Well, I guess that's for you to decide. Well, Who am I, I can't to tell wait you what to, you'll think is funny. I can't wait to just dive in. <laughs> in in that case? Yes. Do it. Is that really a news sound? I feel like it is. I think it feels very newsy. I agree. Yes. Let's give ourselves yes, yes, a yes. round of applause for that. Yay. Um, okay. Yeah, go for it. You first. No, no, no. You first. Because okay. I have oh go, go ahead. Go. Okay, fine. <laughs> first one. This is in Futurism.com. Futurism. Ooh, already interested. Yep, this is from um, very recently. And our rule about the recency of the articles is they have to be sort of recent, like, you know, not bringing up In the last, like, six months. Yeah, or even, like, you know, (laughs) six months. (laughs) I think all Um, mine are are recent, but I just wanted to give you some leeway. AI company says it'll perform a seance on your dead loved ones. Quote, we're trying to make it sound as magical and as mystical as possible. Now, how does this work? By the way, friends, we post all links below so you can read these as well. Here's how it works. Um, we're trying to make it sound as magical and mystical as possible, okay. the leader says. And here's here's what they here's what they want to do. They want to make these brief. Okay. This isn't going to be like hours of you talking to your your, your deceased loved one. Loved okay. One. And not not like the Black Mirror episode um, that we talked about that we talked about in our very inaugural episode, the afterlife, in terms of building a kind of bot of your dead boyfriend, um, mm-hmm, etc. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, but rather brief. Okay, so here's from the article. Often after a loss, whatever last words or moments you had with someone, good or bad, are seared into your memory, and in many cases, an accident. Say, there's no goodbye at all. Rocks likens his product to an AI-generated Ouija board for closure rather than a means of immortality. Wow. It's meant to be a short interaction that can pl- provide a sense of closure. So the, the language model takes up, you know, whatever kind of social media and talking and whatnot of your loved one or right. person that you want to get closure with. They provide the brief interaction on that basis. And that's that. What do you think about the brevity part, though, as opposed to the like robot living with you kind of thing? Um, okay. So this makes me think about, you know, I want to withhold judgment about grieving. Mm. Um. I, I do sometimes feel like I'm living in the world that my childhood self imagined would be possible. I mean, just the fact that we're talking about doing this. Uh, I'll just say, you know, the uncanny valley feeling? Mm-hmm. that we- This weirds me out. I'm just going to say I'm having a gut response to it. You don't like be- this. Well. You're not going to use this. I Well, I can't say that I wouldn't use it because you do weird things when you're grieving. That's true. But I hope I wouldn't. That is my own just personal feeling, but I don't want to judge people who would. I'm ha- I'm very I'm having very I know like exactly what ambivalent feelings. Let right me now. break through with an irreverent thought. Okay, is be this, irreverent. Is this is this kind of like a version of like drunk dialing? 
You know what I mean? Well, yes, it feels like that. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yes, like, it's kind of like yes. a version of drunk dialing your, your, your deceased. Kind of like in a moment of, like you say, definitely grief makes you do weird things, but maybe this would be something that you'd be better off not doing. But maybe in a moment you're just like, I don't know, I right. need to do it. And then you right. do it. I mean, is this, I, I, it does make me think about, is this afterlife? You know, who's, I guess who's afterlife is it? But, but I, I, yeah, I mean, I think I could imagine people in, you know, um, going to a, a product like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm assuming you buy it. That's the thing. This can't I, th- be free. These are the things that make me feel uncomfortable. Would either you, you yeah. have to sell your attention, like the attention economy. So you right. either have to watch an ad to do it or you have to give your money. And I think that's what makes me feel uncomfortable about establishing yeah. a relationship with the dead or going through some part of the grief process. Mm. And there's, you know, would you good could, old fashioned American capitalism wrapped it. Is it an American company? I'm assuming, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, I can't tell. Yeah. Would you consent to your own no. image? And, see, that's the problem too. Absolutely that's, not. That's the other problem. I actually, I have filled out all my interweb paperwork. Like I, I want that gone. Oh. Like my social media presence. Have you done that? I think I I think I gave care of it over to my wife. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just like, no, no. And you know what? I, I almost want to put that in my last will and testament because people do weird stuff. Wow. With, I mean, would you want to, would you want Susan to keep, your wife to keep, like, you know, your social media? Yes. What if, what if I, Susan I, started, I, like, paint you know painting in your name i i I, I just like i literally don't know this does remind me of a bonus bonus quick quick bonus story okay okay there was a story on npr about about like this new world of like possibly they're on a breakthrough of making just like designer babies just like in a lab just purely babies in a lab if just from dna if you can do that by the way somebody could somebody could like get like a just a piece of hair or something or scratch a celebrity oh boy and you could like have a baby with a celebrity DNA and your DNA. Right? See, these are the things. Just where get a we piece need... of Brad Pitt's hair, and suddenly there you are. Can I soapbox for a minute? Yeah. Okay. This is why I gotta find we that need link that article. Humanities education in every like anyone who has the smarts and the technology to create a baby from DNA mm-hmm. needs to take philosophy and ethics and and probably theology classes to think about just because we can. Should we? <laughs> what you know? And issues of consent. I mean, that's just like horrifying. To you know me. what? You know what? I don't understand though. And I mean, this is this is an unfair. This is an mm-hmm. un- non scholarly and unfair comment. But here I go. <laughs> um, like, what could you? What could you possibly learn about ethics or philosophy or consent that would even inform those kinds of decisions at all? You either know that something like that is wrong, or you don't. Like, there's no ethical framework that's going to convince you. Um. You know, that like stealing a celebrity's hair, like, oh no, there's an F, like, you should read the book. You should should read, you should read, you know, Pain 2026, (laughs) uh, you know, Cambridge University Press. Like, well, I'll, I'll, uh, you know, I'll counter that and say just the, um, the world that we're living in right now, we have just done several episodes of sciencey type people saying, whoa, we need to stop for a second. And, and I think the, you know, to use a biblical term, maybe I'm not using this correctly. You tell me. Selah. Just, yeah. Selah. <laughs> there you, it, don't, be, mo, don't most people think it means pause and reflect? I don't know. Or something like just that. Just go with it. I don't know. It's Does whatever, it? I don't even know. It's just whatever you believe. But, you know, okay, I'll just say with my children who are very young, we always work on impulse control. Yeah. You know, did you think before you did? Oh, yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. And I do think that 
you know, any, any kind of reading or practice that lets you pause for a second, because I think that there are people who are just, who, who don't, wouldn't think that that's wrong. Yeah. No, I hear what you're you saying. I, they haven't even stopped to think I about had a co- it. I had a colleague who said, you know, speaking of their work in a particular class said, I don't even know if my job is to make someone think twice before they do X, Y, Z move. I just want them to think once. Exactly. Yes. You know? And that's yes. a good, I give that, I give that person. That's, I should get credit. That's a friend of the show, show Joel Mayward, Professor oh, Joel Mayward. Oh, yes, um, yes. We, we like Art Professor and film Mayward. and theology said that. And I thought that's yeah. a great way to think about it. Yes, I, I really like that. that. Okay, I we like spent a long too. time on this first one. He's got to move at a faster yep. clip. I'm okay. just saying right okay. now. Go for it. Okay. Um. So... Did you watch The Office? Of course you did. Uh, You're a person of a certain Selected age. episodes, definitely. Do you remember the character Dwight Schrute? I do. Well, the actor oh, I see where plays this is going. Dwight Schrute. I see where this is going. Wrote a book about spirituality he's called... Re- he's really into spirituality now. Soul Boom. Soul Boom. Why we need a spiritual revolution. And one of the things that I think is fascinating about this, and I want to kick this over to you, is there's just this flurry of stories saying, aren't we surprised that Dwight Schrute cares about spirituality? And I thought, why would we be surprised that an actor is interested in spirituality? But tell right. me your initial your initial thoughts about yeah. Soul Boom. I'm going to put my first initial thought, I'm going to put this in the notes as Soul Boom by Dwight Schrute. No. Not the actor's actual name. Because first Rain Wilson, by the way, Rain Wilson has always been open about Rain with his, two ends. Yep, his spirituality. You got to be careful with people with a doubled letter in their name like that. <laughs> that's my first, that's my second You're, thought. Okay, Brian with an N, one N. Brian, two Ns. Brian, I need to change that. Here's, I, I, I actually saw. I knew where this was going because I saw part of an interview with him on YouTube about this. Yes. So he's doing a media blitz for this now. Mm-hmm. His faith tradition is Baha'i. Yes. Baha'i is a kind of at least in the popular conception, namely mine, is a kind of religion that embraces every religion at the same time. Mm. Mm. I think that's kind of what it is. It's also a group that's been persecuted um, rather severely in Iran in particular, where, right. where it has its origins. Uh, this is all off the top of my head, so forgive, yes. forgive me. Well, it's kind of a young religion, which is always interesting to mm-hmm. me, not from the 19th century. And I I think that, um, you know, I, I'm always fascinated by new religious movements and practitioners particularly in the american west mm-hmm. and also hollywood culture like you know i've he's, a, I've he's seen, a seattle person is rain rain wilson a seattle I think so i think so i'm gonna check on that um but one of the things i mean he's pretty well known mm-hmm. um for you know discussing born his in seattle own, born his, in seattle yeah that's that what I thought. Okay. okay so his own relationship with I'm always interested to hear actors, very famous actors. I th- Jim Carrey comes to mind. Mm-hmm. He's not Baha'i. I think he's is he Buddhist. But who who talk about the finding the world of celebrity to be quite empty mm-hmm. and trying to see, you know, mm-hmm. figure out some way of managing I see. that relationship. So I actually the the headlines maybe are a little bit cheap because they're saying like, wow, isn't this surprising? And it doesn't seem surprising to me at all that you would want right. an anchor in your life that is bigger than the flash of. Yeah, know. I think what's particularly not surprising about the religious lives of someone like Rain Wilson in this regard, although he belongs to an identifiable tradition. So this is going to be a, an exception to what I'm saying, mm-hmm. but maybe more like 
what I'm imagining to be like the Jim Carrey spirituality, which seems to be kind of a mashup of some Christians, some I Buddhists, guess, some yeah. values. Jim Carrey, I just looked it up. He says he's lots of things. Lots of things. Exactly. So, so I think that I'm a kind Buddhist, of, I'm a Muslim, I'm I a even, Christian, you know, I'm so, whatever you want me so, to be. Scientology is a single identifiable tradition, a new, a new newer, right, newer, right. but it's, but it's not, it's not everything. It's not anything. Right. I guess I picture more like the Hollywood spirituality as being more like, you know, kind of like an everything, lots of things, spirituality. Right. If that makes sense. Yes. Okay. So it, you mean like in its, in its Hollywood form? In its Hollywood form. Okay. It's like, it's kind of just like embracing lots of things. It's sort of importing a spirituality, like concept to your life as maybe like a part of a, a part of an identity or like you say, it's kind of like a, it's like a medicinal spirituality, mm. a salve to mm. help with some aspects of your life. It's not, that's not like old time religion though. Like old time religion is not like a thing that you add on the side to hopefully like help you through a time. Right. Like, so I, but then again, why should I, I'm implying obviously that, you know, for some of these people, that's maybe what it is. And the truth is, I don't know. And the truth is maybe like you say, everybody finds themselves in a position of, of great need. And well, we I, you know, I mean, I think that rain Wilson's, um, discussion of his, like, I, I'm really interested. I want to read the book because I want to, um, read his articulation of this moment. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I guess I, I think it's really fascinating, um, that he is finding really a broad group of media partners, including Christian mm -hmm. media mm -hmm. folks that all seem to agree on this idea of a quote spiritual revolution, mm. um, which I think is you know Q like Rob what's happening. Rob, get in there. <laughs> Where are you, Rob? That's his time. This for is Rob your Bell moment. Yes. Um, Rob's like I've been waiting for this for decades now. Yeah. So that was one thing that I thought was really fascinating about how this is for you know old timey and new timey religionists mm -hmm. seem to be getting excited about this, which to me is like, well, we're several years in to this, um, you know, the before times prior to COVID, um, we are now in this new world. And I mark my words. I mark, I think I marked them earlier years ago, like mm -hmm. something when major events like this happen, people interpret them spiritually and metaphysically. And mm -hmm. I think that we're seeing the fruits of that right now. So what, I wanted to bring this to you. What is the major event that people... COVID-19. Uh, like the whole world shut down. Yes, I see. Millions of people die. I see. And here we are. Yes. You know, wrestling with what it means. I see. And so I, I'm I'm fascinated. I want to I wanna read the book. We should probably do an episode on it. Bring on the next yep. pandemic. We're yep. spiritually ready now. <laughs> well, don't bring that pandemic. Um, Very quick one. Elizabeth Holmes, who now goes by Liz Holmes, reports Liz. to an 11 year prison sentence today on the day that we're recording this. <gasps> wow. She couldn't escape it. 11 years in she goes. We did an episode on her. We rebroadcast it recently because we liked the episode that much. It's one of our most popular episodes. We don't really know why. It's called The Creator. Just well, FYI, that's it. I'm so glad you brought this up because I wanted to do an entire follow up episode. We probably don't have time to do it. Maybe we should. But on how she was portraying herself in the wake of her. In her during her trial, yep. Because we that whole episode we talked about how she was making herself almost like a, a nun looking, yes, kind yes. of a very severe religious like figure, ascetic, you know, portrait of herself. And then 
And then subsequently, she had children. She got married. She, she had softened two kids. her look quite a lot. Went she to changed Liz, her voice. Changed her voice back. Like, yes, to, what it to was. regular voice. Yep. Went to like her her instinctual yep. register or whatever. Started speaking about her life in very domestic terms. Right, right. right. So wow, is does Liz have gender theory training? I'd like to know. Maybe Liz just in, intuits all of this. Yeah, it's not it's not rocket science necessarily, especially with the prison thing. But I don't know how any of that works. Really, yes. like, do judges really look at that? She, she, well, they thought that they might. I this is a story for another time, probably off the podcast. But I know for a fact that those things definitely influence uh, people's. Uh, all right. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Yep. You're up. Okay, my turn. A film called The Way. Emilio Estevez's film about the Camino is returning to theaters and I would like to see it. I heard about it on Rick Steves podcast because I love listening love to travel. Love Rick Steves. Thank you. For love you, Rick Steves. Um, also a West Coast person. Stars Martin Sheen. Yes. Washington. From way up in Washington. And um, it is about um, one one man's pilgrimage mm-hmm. on the Camino. And you're such a hikey walker type of person have have you done have you ever thought about doing it yeah so the camino famous um pilgrimage the, uh, the way of saint james that goes from somewhere in france i think all mm-hmm. the way through spain mm-hmm. it's it's very long it's yeah i think it's i, don't know I, I have thought about it i've thought about it so far as to do the initial stage proposal our university has a as a thing called juniors abroad oh you should where people do go it. for three weeks and do something. And I was going to propose that. The problem, if you're going to take a bunch of students to do something like that, mm. is are the physical demands. And then right. what do you do if some people don't want to do it once they're there or can't do it right, or someone right, gets injured right, right. or something? Now it becomes a little harder because you're not staying in hotels necessarily right. and so on. So it wasn't a total blockage. It just was. So, yes, I would. Lo- I, I love the idea of pilgrimage. I would love to do something like that. Um, my, you know, I'm not in, in my family life now, as you know very well. I'm not at the place where those th- kind of things you are can e- just like, easy to do. Like, hey, I got to go take yeah. three weeks to go find myself. Bye. Well, let me just say also, you know, my kind of feeling of disgust about grieving with a an artificially generated yes. thing. Yes. This whole film is about doing this pilgrimage as an act of grief mm. and mourning the loss of someone. Uh. And I would just, I, I hope, I don't know, I haven't had this type of loss in my life. But I hope that I would choose an embodied form of grieving. And so I'd really like to see this film. Yes. I haven't seen it. It's, it's, I think it came out like 10 years ago or something. But um, plus the, the father-son thing, that's neat. The film has come out 10 years ago? Yeah, but it's re, re, it's returns to, the, to theaters. Uh-huh. I don't think it got a wide, um, wide viewing. So anyhow, okay. I'm excited. Hey, nice yep. job. Thanks. All right. I got to check that out. Um, this article I have not done. This is of my article of my of my offerings for today. This is mm-hmm. the one that I I researched the least. Oh, I just okay. I just kind of liked the title. Nice. Yes. <laughs> um, it's in the New Atlantis. It's called mm-hmm. Rational Magic: Why a Silicon Valley Culture That Was Once Obsessed with Reason Is Going Woo. Wait, just now they're saying it's going woo. Uh, in the article, yeah. Oh, just, just this is the spring ah. twenty twenty three. Interesting. Um, okay. Issue. What, tell me more. Tell me more. Uh, I mean, there's it's it's somebody called Vogel. Vogel. Okay. Vogel is 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 the the name here, and he's part of a loose online subculture known as post rationalists. 
Um, also known by the jokey endonym, this part of Twitter, T-P-O-T. There are a group of writers, thinkers, readers, and internet trolls alike who were once rationalists or members of adjacent communities like the effective altruism movement, but grew disillusioned. Wow. To them, rationality, culture's technocratic focus on ameliorating the human condition through hyper-utilitarian goals, such okay. as increasing the number of malaria nets in the developing world, say, or minimizing the existential risk posed by development of unfriendly AI had come at the expense of taking seriously the less quantifiable elements of a well-lived human life. Wow. There's a, there's a French, um, a French philosopher named Jacques Ellul, who was also a Christian anarchist who, yeah. Like Dorothy Day. An amazing category that mm -hmm. I'm attracted to that. I could, I could, Oh, sign I up. could totally see you doing yeah, that. Yeah. I saw that phrase when I was reading something about Jacques Ellul the other Where day. I was like, like that's huh. me. I was like, huh. I found my maybe. people. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Yeah, he, he had this phrase, um, he, he had a, a famous book from the 1960s about technology and society, and he uses this phrase in, in French. It's like, I can't pronounce French, but it's like the phrase is the technique. Mm. And he talks about the technique as this idea that like this technological rationalist idea that there's a best way to do everything. Oh, fascinating. Like everything will have a best way to do it, but he thinks it's bad. Like this idea, this relentless pursuit for this best way to do things, you know, just like ruins our lives. And well, you could make a strong case yeah. for that. <laughs> and so, and so, you know, I was, I was, I was reading a Substack that some thoughtful person had in, in reflecting on, on Jacques' work, if I may lapse into the first name yes, basis with yes. him. And, you know, so something, something about that strikes me as, as Fogel's in this article, the, 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 uh, you know, this pursuit, um, Fogel's pursuit of truth had hardly been painless, the article says. Raised a pastor's son and educated in evangelical Christian homeschool circles. Fascinating. Um, so he had a deconversion, which was like a psychological shock or even a mystical experience. Wow. He had a vision of God being sacrificed on the altar of truth, <gasps> you know, and all this kind of stuff. Oh, that's really, um, that's he, intense. Yeah. So, and this is also a Seattle-based thing. This guy moved to Seattle and worked as a janitor at the University of Washington, but he kind of got into this stuff. So anyway, we'll post the article. And if that intrigues you, this idea intrigues you of these post-rationalists doing this stuff and getting, wow. I guess, woo. Um, woo is your thing. Check if it out. woo is your thing, um, uh, here's, here's a quote. It turns out that like intuition is incredibly powerful, an incredibly powerful epistemic tool. He said that it just seems like a lot of rationalists weren't using because it falls into this domain of woo stuff. So, wow. You know, woo okay. starts to look less like a wrong turn and more like the place to go. So, you know, Silicon Valley. Well, you know, I always like woo woo stories that that's really interesting. And I love how there's just this word that seems to communicate so much woo. Woo. W-O-O. Mm -hmm. It's a word I, I haven't used enough. Um, yeah. It's a word that's not meant positively, like the word woke or something like that. Right. Yeah. It's kind of funny how people use it, isn't it? Because I sort of, I like to think of it as a generic or a as a category for analysis. Yeah. But you're right. It almost is always used yeah. in a derogatory I think it's gone derogatory. Sense. Right, right. Yeah. Um, okay. I like it. Here's a blast from the past for you. Love it. For you. Do you remember the Disney musical, An American Tale? No. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is it about a mouse? Yes. Okay, the mouse maybe. Survival. Okay, There are maybe. no cats. In America. Uh, anyhow, um, the Jewish Telegraphic Agency News Service has a story about an American tale, the classic, this is the headline, the classic animated film about Russian Jewish mice who immigrate to America is now a musical, which I'm super happy about that. As a whole, I'm not a fan of IP 
you know, like relentless remakes. Yeah. But I loved this film as a child. And what was really fascinating to me about this article is the, um, the, how, how the article talks about how the musical doesn't necessarily name the Jewishness of the protagonist mice, which as a child, I did not pick up on. Uh I mean, I don't think I've seen it since I was like 10. Yeah. Um, or 12. I don't know. I can't remember when it came out, but yep. um, it came out in 1986. So yes, I was a very young child at that time. So, um, but the the article talks about how um, the this this musical is being revived at a really critical time. There's a lot of rise of anti-Jewish sentiment uh-huh. in the world, and I'm looking forward to you know it's ideal for children's theaters mm-hmm, to do mm-hmm. um but it, it made me want to go back and watch it so i'm going to rent it with okay. my kiddos okay. and talk about it. i can't believe your girls would really like an american tale i, I think I, I just i don't know how we kind of missed this one or what the deal is i'm sure my wife is all over it yes um, I, well yes a couple of my friends are are um scholars are cited in this article and i i highly recommend checking it out just to think through mm-hmm. the musical as a really powerful storytelling device. Okay. I'm a huge music theater fan. Yep. There you go. This is what Brian and I have in common. Just kidding. We do not. I'm not a hater. I just, um, okay. <laughs> okay. Friends with only about five minutes yep. left, you know what time it is. What? Lightning round. It's time for the yeah. lightning round. I only have one more story. Left. <gasps> That's our lightning round music. We haven't heard it in such a long time. Oh my time. gosh, I forgot. Okay. I mean, come on. Okay. Lightning round. Um, okay, quickly. Um, your friends over at PRI, our friends. Yes. New survey. Only 16% of Americans say religion is the most important thing in their lives. Oh, down, down from 20% a decade ago. Care to quickly comment? That religion is not. I have a couple of comments on that. One is that um, I wonder sometimes if the word religion is miscoded, you know, so people might right. be like, well, I'm not into religion. Like I'm what into did spirituality. they, what exactly did they ask? But yeah. the PRI people, they're hip Oh no, this, they're right? excellent. So, so that, that would be the question that I would ask about that is, um, yeah. So religion in their lives. Well, one, one thing, you know, I don't know. I, I don't even know what to make of that. There's a decline of religious institutions in the United States. And so I think that in terms of, regular attendance at religious events that's uh-huh. down yeah um people are communicating more on yeah with like technology about certain things quick, so i'm fascinated a what quick you- a quick flashback to our hollywood religion story another part of the the actual um um report itself a significant minority of americans practice more than one religion nearly one in five americans 19 percent, say they consider themselves quote a follower of the teachings or practices of Just more like than Jim one Carrey. religion yes. so not, more more americans say they do more than one religion than say that religion is the most important thing in that their is lives fascinating. so anyway yes okay. all right sign of the times okay my last one this is from our friends at religion news service the real priest behind the the Pope's exorcist was a fan of Hollywood horror films. So the subheading is how did blockbuster horror films such as the exorcist help the church warm to the controversial ritual by Joseph P. Laycock over at religion news service care to comment on the exorcist creating more exorcisms. I will say this. 
Number one, it, it for, for those who are skeptics of that phenomenon and the church's use of that, obviously knowing that the person is a fan doesn't lend it credibility necessarily. Okay. Because it starts to then it starts to then bring up what many people think would be the source of these exorcisms, which is the power of suggestion and tropes that people right, already right. know, number one. But I don't know that that's, okay, I'm not commenting on its truth. I'm just saying that that's, that's, that's suspicious potentially. Right. Number two though, is that it's fascinating to me over the years, the stories about exorcisms in the Vatican come up often, maybe because people see it as a spectacular thing, right? but it, they find a way to get that in the news. And I think that that's really fascinating. Yes, it is. And I, have you seen The Exorcist? Uh, no, I, that is a film I've Ooh. not seen. Okay, we've got to do. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can handle it. It's very scary. Should we? It holds up. Oh man, we we should we, need we an should episode. make we yeah just it's gonna be called the Exorcist. We got to do it. Okay. We got to. Okay, I'll That's watch it. it. I don't. Okay. Yes, okay. yes. We we do. We need to. Oh, um, in part I'm, because I'm afraid it's like already. an iconic piece already. of American <laughs> art. I'm surprised you haven't seen it. You you I, watch horror? Uh, no, I'm kind of a baby about the horror. Oh the horror well, I watch horror and I think it's fascinating. And I have not seen the Pope's Exorcist. Uh, by the way, stars okay. Russell Crowe, who definitely seems like the sort of, you know, like ultra masculine, you know, ornery. Yeah. At least that's the type. Yep. Uh, that he's often, you know, cast as. So I'm sort of interested mm -hmm. in watching this particular. Uh, it's based on a real exorcist. Yeah. Okay. So okay, let's to be continued. Let me sneak one in the last ten seconds. What? Okay. Um, Tears of the Kingdom has come out. It's the newest Zelda game. It's Ooh. it's the most hyped video game of basically of all time. It's a uh, Zelda thing. I do. And I, I have no familiarity. Zelda was originally Zelda. based on Christianity, but my daughter, who is intensely into these, really. Games, has told me that it's got all kinds of goddess figures and the religions of Hyrule are many and complex. So we'll have to leave wow. that analysis for another Maybe time. We need your daughter on. <laughs> she would love it, but she can't come on. So. <laughs> this has been a production of Weird Religion. A podcast for people who know religion is weird but love it anyway. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Follow us into the ocean. Allow your heart to blossom. Retreat into the gorgeous and haunted forests of your mind. Find us there. <laughs>